0: I'm Helena and I'm a medical English teacher and registered nurse in the UK. I interview English speakers about their health to help you become more familiar with the language used to talk about different medical topics. My aim is to build your confidence in interactions with your English-speaking patients and healthcare colleagues. Welcome to English Practice for Healthcare. (music) I've asked people to speak slower than usual but the best thing about this podcast is the real language you will hear. Depending on your English level it could be helpful to read whilst you listen and transcripts for each episode can be found on my website www.englishpracticeforhealthcare.com The language is probably most suitable for intermediate English learners and above however a challenge is always good. So whatever your level, I hope you will enjoy this opportunity to hear these natural conversations about personal health experiences. Okay, let's get started. What do you already know about post-concussion syndrome? What events might leave someone with this condition? What type of symptoms might a patient with post-concussion syndrome experience? In this first episode, I speak to Tim, a 36-year-old male living in Norwich, a city in the UK. Tim lives with his wife, Jess, and their two young children. Tim is a teacher, and until four years ago, his health was generally fine. But in 2019, he sustained a head injury while he was playing hockey. The verb to sustain means to suffer or experience something. For example, the patient sustained a broken wrist falling off their bike. In the first half of the episode, Tim describes what happened and the symptoms he experienced of post-concussion syndrome. Listen for what effect Tim tells me these symptoms had on his life and how they made him feel. Which symptom does Tim tell me had the biggest effect on his mental health? So, hi Tim. Um, can you just tell me, where are you from?
1: So I'm from Norwich, which is in the east of England.
0: And is there a strong accent in Norwich?
1: There is a Norwich and a Norfolk accent, actually. Um, I don't really have either, but my grandfather had a very strong Norfolk accent. And some people have such strong accents that you would struggle to know what... What they are saying. What they are saying. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And it's farming, a lot of farming around There's here. lots of farming. Yeah. It's a
1: very agricultural area. It's very rural. It's very flat. Yeah, it's definitely worth visiting. Good for cycling as well.
0: And is that your main form of exercise, would you say?
1: I would say it is, yeah.
0: Okay. But before that, you played a lot of hockey. Yeah. Tell us about like, your feelings towards hockey. When did you start playing? So
1: I started playing very young, about six or seven. I played all the way through until I was 18. I was playing a lot of representative stuff, so I was playing for the regions, the county, and I ended up playing junior international level. So my hockey or my sport took off more when I left to go to Nottingham, and I played for a team that were uh, of a higher standard and included players who were a couple of players who had just left to play for England. Mm -hmm. And probably that's where... I started to take my hockey a bit more seriously.
0: And it was in a game of hockey where you sustained a a very serious, it's fair to say, head injury. What what happened?
1: The the injury itself or the incident itself wasn't by any means the most serious injury or accident I've seen on a hockey pitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've probably had injuries which at the time felt worse. But no, I mean, it was serious enough that I... A hockey ball um, was deflected into my left eye. And the contact, but possibly more the movement of my head, um, right. caused a concussion, which then caused a minor traumatic brain injury and a post-concussion syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lose consciousness. I went off because I had a big black eye and it was bleeding. Mm. And, you know, it, did, it looked pretty ugly. But I didn't fracture my um, socket around my eye had CT scans, it was all fine. But was that
0: straight away? Uh,
1: no, I went, actually I went to work on Monday and I went to work on Tuesday. And right. towards the end of Tuesday, one of the, I was, I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. so the, one of the fifth periods of uh, the day, I was on a conversation, um, a phone call to a parent mm-hmm. and I just couldn't, I couldn't concentrate. I just, mm. I'd felt something I'd never felt in my life. I just could not concentrate. Uh, I was having the conversation, but it was all really slow, and I couldn't process it. And I, was, I remember thinking, I'm working so hard yeah. to just work out the simplest of things uh-huh. that I got off the phone, and I turned to one of my colleagues and said, oh, I've got to go home. Um, and little did I know that I wouldn't go back to work for six months. Um, wow. And when I came home, all the symptoms came within that next week.
0: Which were...
1: I guess probably the worst ones would be the fatigue, the post-exertion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I came home from work, my brain just shut down. I just went to bed. I would—I sl- remember I used to sleep and sleep, mm. you know, 10, 11, 12 hours. And then I would wake up, I would go downstairs, I would have some cereal, and then I would have to go back to bed. I would just be completely exhausted. But my it was more... My brain, as well, just I was completely like confused or right. working really hard or just couldn't compute anything. And I would go to bed for an hour and a half, two hours, and then I would come back down. I might make some lunch. I might walk around the garden, and that would be it. I would have to go back up again. So, sort of the major, most debilitating one would be the fatigue that I felt.
0: W- what did you think at the well, time? I'd, I'd, did have, you think- I'd have
1: concussion a few times before. Okay. From playing hockey or um a few other I don't know, other instances not serious but yeah i just knew it was concussion so oh I went lie. and lay down took it easy felt quite dizzy felt nauseous which is when i realized this was bad mm-hmm. i was really um photo sen- photosensitive photosensitive
0: photosensitivity <laughs> yeah. yeah you were having photosensitivity.
1: yeah so i was, I was mm-hmm. you know everything was just so bright mm-hmm. um, so i had to wear sunglasses all the time right um i was really noise sensitive Mm-hmm. I remember you know being upstairs and shouting down at Jess and being like just put the cutlery away quietly like yeah. why Why are you slamming it why are you slamming <laughs> the doors and obviously she knew what a state I was in she was doing yeah. everything quietly but I just right. couldn't
0: sounded like crashing everything just sounded so ears. loud
1: and then going on from the ears I got tinnitus mm. which really affected my mental state yeah really 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 pushed me towards the ed- edge actually some points some of my darkest points are when my tinnitus was really bad yeah i was really struggling and i just i just didn't know why it happened where it came from and uh, it just came on one day and then it just didn't stop right and it was really loud and i get, had all kinds of noises all times of the day
0: and what does it sound like uh, uh, it's a like a con- hissing or a buzzing uh-huh.
1: yeah i still get it now but when, um like now i can't hear it if i'm talking but yeah. when will stop and because it's in the evening, mm-hmm. I hate it when I go to bed, but at one point, you know, it really, really bothered me. Like nothing's yeah. ever bothered me before. The light sensitivity also was scary. You know, I had, mm-hmm. I do still have like, if I look up now, the other, one of the other um, residual things, the head injury is uh, something called visual snow, but it's just like mm-hmm. a fuzziness. It's like looking at a static TV. So if I look at the sky now, I just see like lots of like fuzzy dots or blurs and I've right. seen quite a few opticians, sort of ophthalmologists, had my eyes looked at. Absolutely fine. <laughs> Nothing yeah. wrong with them at all. But so, it just came on. And I still have it now.
0: Um, so it can't be explained by anything physiological.
1: No. I was, I was very anxious and scared at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of times I thought like I was going to go back into hospital or, you know, I might have... Seizure or something like that. It yeah. was just every everything was so alien to me. Mm-hmm. I was really anxious. Um, yeah.
0: Did you spend some time in hospital?
1: Only for the scans. Yeah, right. that was it. I'd never had an MRI scan. I could have done, but I was told that nothing, because it's a mild traumatic brain injury, nothing would probably show.
0: Mm-hmm. And how does that make you feel then? Like you're obviously having all these symptoms which are very real. But they can't see them. They can't show you them on any sort of scan.
1: When I've got energy, I'm so desperate to work out what the mm-hmm. hell's going on with me. Yeah. I was online, I was on the Facebook group, which is amazing by the way. Mm-hmm. I was I bought some books, even though I was struggling to read, audio books, podcasts, anything. Yeah. So when I went and saw an ophthalmologist, they d- you know, they didn't know about concussion. Not many yeah. people know about concussion No. Really. Not many people are trained in it. GPs were the same. Yeah, I, I had a great GP who admitted she knew nothing about it, but worked really mm-hmm. hard to find someone who did.
0: We've just heard how Tim experienced a minor traumatic brain injury that resulted in his post-concussion syndrome. Were any of your ideas about the symptoms post-concussion syndrome can cause mentioned by Tim? One of the first things he experienced was struggling to concentrate. Another early symptom he had was dizziness and also nausea. This was followed by post-exertion fatigue and he described how it felt like his brain was shutting down.
1: So once I came home from work, my brain just shut down, I just went to bed.
0: He described feeling exhausted, which means to feel extremely tired. He talked about photosensitivity, noise sensitivity and his tinnitus. The tinnitus was what affected his mental state the most.
1: I got tinnitus, Mm. which really affected my mental state. Really, really, really pushed me towards the edge actually some points. Some of my darkest points are when my tinnitus was really bad.
0: Finally, he mentioned having visual snow and seeing fuzzy dots or blurs. It's just like a Mm -hmm.
1: fuzziness, it's like looking at a static TV. If I look at the sky now, I just see like lots of like fuzzy dots or blurs.
0: When your vision is fuzzy, you can't see things clearly. Overall, his symptoms made him feel anxious and scared. You heard me ask him about how he felt about the fact his injury couldn't be seen. Often, the difficulties caused following brain injury can't be seen by looking at a person or by completing medical tests. For this reason, you might hear brain injury described as a hidden disability. One way Tim coped with this was by looking up as much information he could about head injuries. He mentioned a Facebook group with lots of information. This is called post-concussion support group. In addition to this, the symptoms impacted on his life by him needing to sleep and rest much more than was normal for him and he had to take time off work. To take time off means to not go to work. In this next section, Tim tells us more about his experience after his head injury. Listen for the different health professionals Tim mentions that he worked with. What advice was he given?
1: Um, I saw an amazing um, psychologist in a... Some fantastic physio after three months who really helped me um and what did the physio recommend well the physio identified that i was having vestibular issues with my balance Mm -hmm. so my eyes and my sight and uh, inner ear so did some exercises to improve that but also was just really good at telling me that um i need to get going i need to get moving you know I hadn't got permanent damage, mm-hmm. head injuries get better. Right. And, and you know, go wasn't go sprinting, but it was try and get on a bicycle again, go for yeah. a swim, um, low stakes, low threshold, yeah. low heart rate. It's, I guess it's called exposure therapy. So you okay. expo- expose your brain again to the activities which they are struggling to deal with.
0: And did that go hand in hand with what the OT? recommended so OT the occupational therapist who you worked with
1: Uh, we would do mapping so I would map my day right and she would tell me that within the day I should have walks or exercises and and, you know exercises was walking to begin with Mm -hmm. and I could not walk to the end of the road to begin with I couldn't trap the cars all the lights the noises my brain just shut down and I had to like make it home as quick as possible but then the end of the road became the park. I remember it yeah, every day I would do one minute extra. And then I got to the end of the park. And I got to the end of the park and it was full of trees and the forest and it just made my head feel amazing. Yeah. And I remember one day it was a real landmark. I went out and I just said I'm just going to go out and yeah. if I crash, I'm just it was a nice day. I'll just have a crash in the park and I'll just close my eyes.
0: What do you mean when you say crash?
1: When I say crash, it's sort of like a like a synonym for um, your brain shutting down, mm. and you're ha- you feeling like you have to rest immediately. I have had them out and about, and you just have to lie down, close right. your eyes, and they can last. Used to last an hour and a half. Now, if I have a crash, maybe it's about forty-five minutes an hour.
0: So you went from being able to run around on the hockey field for. How long is the hockey game? I don't <laughs> uh, know. So <laughs> an hour
1: and a quarter, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to
0: walking one minute down the road. Yeah. Um, so what sort of impact did that have then on your self-esteem? Because, mm. you know, there is, we talk a lot about health and, you know, how it is connected to your self-esteem. But until you go through something, I don't really think appreciate how closely linked they are
1: hugely yeah massively and I think one of the issues is I, I can with my head injury I get quite irritable mm. if I'm tired and it's just like oh, I just don't want to talk to anybody yeah. <laughs> I just need to go into a room mm-hmm. and I think that's hard for my partner because you know mm-hmm. I could just be cooking and then I'd just be like yeah fine whatever yeah just yeah. go away <laughs> you know like just leave me alone for a second or and I'm not normally like that yeah. so I think that was quite hard and occasionally it's still for Jess um but I think, on the whole, she's always has been amazingly supportive and understanding and accepting mm-hmm. the fact that it's a long recovery
0: yeah, a lot of adapting,
1: yeah, yeah. particularly yeah, in the early stages, yeah, so I think now we get to a stage where there's less adapting mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. thinking about things like that, but you mm-hmm. know. yeah
0: so you're saying now it's a good thing that you don't talk about it so much in your day to Mm. day life but do you think it's something that we need to talk about more society needs to talk about more or
1: there's much more knowledge of head injuries now than there was even when i had my accident but i noticed that often is framed around sport and Mm -hmm. it's often high level sport and mostly mainstream sports like football american football rugby and i think there's probably not an acceptance that concussion and head injuries happen a huge amount to just
0: in day-to-day lives. day-to-day
1: lives normal people having falls you know i've, I've yeah. made lots of contacts with people who have head injuries um bicycle accidents car accidents are probably the most common but falls mm-hmm. sometimes there's not an acceptance within society that one thing one event that can happen to two people could have two very different outcomes yes yeah. uh, but also the recovery will look different in everybody yeah. but if someone looks fine and presents fine actually what's going on is very different.
0: Where could I as a nurse or a, of a healthcare professional coming across this person they're telling me similar things to what you're describing why could I send them to get support?
1: Um, a headway probably comes to mind first which is the national charity. Headway. Headway mm-hmm. on head injuries mm-hmm. so they've got a huge amount of resources and knowledge and they've worked a lot with sport as well Mm -hmm. to push for concussion substitutes and yeah their website or going to the local headway branch Mm -hmm. would be yeah would be something I would suggest you really want some something like a holistic look yeah you know somebody to look at okay what's your mental health like what physiologically are you struggling with so for me it was like vestibular Mm -hmm. tinnitus brain fog for instance that's why the concussion clinics, although they're very rare, are amazing because they're multidisciplinary. yeah, so they sit down with a range of people and they say, "Okay, let's have a look at you," and then they can give you a program
0: based on that. I guess es- essentially what we're saying is letting the patient uh, explain what is their range of symptoms and appreciating that they are all unique depending on on the person. And then thinking uh, as in a multidisciplinary way, what expertise can then help this patient, but also that you're not going to be able to solve everything all at once, so maybe asking what at that time is the most important thing to them to try and get support with mm. you think Yeah
1: yeah, I think so, because myself at thirty Six now mm. is very different to mm. 26. Yeah. So f- yeah. for now, my priority is to be, well, first and foremost, a good dad, and also to be at work to make sure we can afford the mortgage, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess be there for Jess as well as a husband. If I was 26, that would have been when I was playing hockey for England. That would yeah. have been my priority. Yeah. So it would have all been about. Getting back to full fitness, to exercising again. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, I think you're right. It's mm. it's going to be the, the priority for that person at that time, and that could change even for an individual over a few years.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking <laughs> okay. to me so openly. That's so interesting to hear about your experience. So really appreciate it. Pleasure. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. I'm so grateful to Tim. For talking so honestly about his experience. I learned a lot myself about post-concussion syndrome. What new things did you learn about head injuries? What words and phrases were new to you today? For example, had you heard the expression to have a crash before? I felt like Tim gave a good description of how that could feel. Tim mentioned he worked with a physiotherapist, an occupational therapist, his GP, and a psychologist he mentioned how he was advised to gradually increase his activity and to do something called mapping this is like planning your day and all the activities you need to do it can be helpful for patients with limited energy he was also given exercises by a physiotherapist to help improve his balance i think one thing we can learn from this conversation with tim is the professionals you work with will depend on the person and their symptoms. Also, that talking through what things are affecting our patients the most could be a good way to start. This is where effective communication and asking open questions would be important. Tim told us how he didn't have permanent damage from his head injury and that he is very gradually recovering. However, not all head injuries will get better in the same way. I have posted a link in the episode description to the website for the UK charity Headway, which Tim mentioned were a huge help to him. Their website is an excellent resource for further information and for some English reading practice on this topic. Okay, so this is the end of the first episode of English Practice for Healthcare. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions at all, you can contact me through my website, and I'd love to hear from you about your language learning progress. There is a link in this episode's description to the website, or you can simply email me at helena at englishpracticeforhealthcare.com. If you would like updates on future episodes and more language tips, you can sign up to my newsletter on the website. I'm sure at some point soon, I'll also join Instagram to keep in touch that way. And if you like the podcast, please recommend it to anyone you know who is learning English who you think would find it useful. It's a great exercise to talk about what you learned from the episode with another English learning colleague in English, of course. So happy English practice. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks again. Bye for now. Bye. Bye.